listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. I just really have this sense uh, that God wants to just reiterate the message again. Sorry, if I could just have keys stay back up, that'd be awesome. Just to reiterate the message that, um, you know, our it can be so easy to live so consumed with what is going on in our world that we forget to see and realise everything that we have to offer others. Everything we have to give to others, the hope that we have, the truth that we have, the love of God that we have. Come on, the, we can be ones that carry others to the feet of Jesus. We can be ones that, that are, are the, the catalyst for people finding our God. And, you know, as I was preparing for this week, I didn't have it in my message, but I was in um, Mark 2 a lot. And in Mark 2, it talks about these four guys that have this friend that's uh, disabled. He cannot walk. He, he is uh, totally um, disabled in his walking ability. And, and so they try to get him to see Jesus, but they can't get into the house because the house is so full of people. So what they do is they make a hole in the roof they break through and then they lower their friend through the roof so their friend can be before the presence of Jesus. And when the friend is before Jesus, Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. And then get up from your mat and walk. And I just have this sense this morning, come on, what will we do to break through for the sake of others? Come on, those guys were so desperate for their friend to encounter Jesus that they broke through a roof so that he could experience the love of God, the healing power of Jesus Christ. And I have this urgency from heaven this morning, like this heart from God. Like what would we do to break through for the sake of others? What would we do to get other people at the feet of Jesus? I just feel this stirring come, it's time to shift something, church, in our thinking and our priority and our agenda. We've got to this whole series I'm so stoked about around evangelism, reaching others and being others focused because as we're others focused, it brings such a freedom, a joy and a peace into our life. And I know God is just wanting to stir this passion alive on the inside of us again. So I would just love us, I know we've just seen it, but I'd love us just to stand to our feet one more time because I don't wanna just go through the motions this morning. I want God to deposit something fresh. I want Him to reveal something to us. I want Him to bring heart transformation. Come on, that's what His Word is about. His Word is about heart transformation. It's not information. It's about this revelation that can be dropped into our spirit, dropped from heaven, that it would cause us to change how we live our lives, change how we see, change how we hear, change how our priority list, change our agenda. Come on, are you wanting that this morning? Oh, Jesus. We just come before You and we just say we're so hungry for more of You. Jesus, we're hungry not to live for self, but to live for others. God, I just stand here today just saying I'm just as guilty as anybody else. And I preach from this place of just what You're wanting to do in me and what You're telling me. But as a church, we just say we need You, Jesus. God, we need You to change us. We need You to help us to see like You see, to hear how You hear. God, change our heart from the inside out. God, would You cause our heart to break for others like Your heart breaks for others. God, that it would keep us up late at night because we're just thinking about our friends and our family and praying for others that don't know You. Would You consume us in a new way for others? God, we just say we're sorry for living so contained by self and so just so self-focused. And God, we just pray that You would change us. 
God, that we would be a church that truly lives to impact and change our generation with the reality of Jesus Christ. That it wouldn't be pretty words, but we would live it in and through everything that we do. Jesus, would you do something new in us this morning, we pray. Let your word transform us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can take your seat. Thank you, Amy. You know, when we come around this whole topic of evangelism and a matter of conversation, you know, it can be so easy to hear the word evangelism and almost think, what does it even mean? What is this word even about? And if we look at the actual term of evangelism, it means the spreading of the gospel, the good news through proclamation or personal witness. And I love that. And when you research the word evangelism in the New Testament, it was a time and era where Rome ruled the world and they fought battles outside of their territory to claim more ground. And when a battle was won, the Roman general would send a runner all the way from the battlefield to the Roman Caesar. And on arrival, the runner would kneel at Caesar's feet, unroll a scroll and announce the good news. The message the military car- a runner carried was called the evangel. The military runner was the evangelist and the act of announcing the message was evangelism. And I love that, that today, that same thing applies for us today, that we get to be the ones that announce the good news, that announce victory, that announce what our God has done for us and what He wants to do in the life of others. That evangelism is proclaiming the good news. It is proclaiming the incredible things that God has done. But if you're anything like me, growing up, I would hear the word evangelism and almost be like, oh, how how do I kind of do it? Like kind of feel so inadequate. Like almost feel like it was just for some chosen few that were really, really good at it. No, the ones that were really gifted for it. And there would always almost be this awkwardness around it. And I think for many of us, we can have a wrong view in our head of what evangelism is. Maybe not a wrong view, just a narrow view of what evangelism is. And so for a bit of laugh this morning, I wanted to show a video of kind of what we can think evangelism is. So why don't we turn our attention to the screen and check this video out. Oh, there's a spot. Hey, God bless you guys. Barista, what's going on? God bless you. Hey, how's it going, man? I want the normal, my usual. Yeah, actually, we have a couple girls in line already. If I could just get you moved to the back, and I'll help you as soon as I'm done with that. Sorry about that. Last week first, first to be last. Dude, do you go to church at all? Do you go to church at all? So do you go to church at all? Hey, is this seat open? Hey, is this seat available? Uh, dude, I just wanted to knock out some devos real quick. I spend some time with Jesus. I woke up kind of late this morning. Yeah, come on, scoot over. Scoot over. Let me sit down. I just want to share something from God's Word. He hit me up in my devos this morning. I was like, I got to share this. Genesis 1, 1. Thirsty, huh? Getting some water? Yeah. Yeah, I know the living water. I was noticing that you're drawing some stuff over here. Back before when I wasn't a Christian, I, I was making so much money as a graphic designer. You been born again? You been born again? 
born again. And you need to quit walking in the flesh. I mean, obviously you don't really know God, your tattoos, and you know, in your ear and stuff. If you don't start out the day by just bathing yourself in prayer, the day doesn't even go that well. You're not realizing that there is a God. He sent Jesus to die for you. Why don't you see that? And in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, I just would go to these crazy parties. It was crazy. Well, I mean, just cash like crazy, but uh, but I've left all that behind. Now I'm a Christian. You can't live life without God. He's not real. He's here. I can't yes, see him. Yes, I'm just not getting through to you. God I can't is real. Touch him. Yeah, you can't touch Africa, but Africa exists. I just have to say, I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed by the devil's mess. What's holding you back from committing your life to Jesus Christ? I it's probably the sin in your life is what's going on. <laughs> scared? Hell is scary. Why don't you look at that girl right there? Look at her. She's gonna die. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. She's gonna die. If you're gonna die, where do you think you would go? Man, that sounded hot. I wonder how hot hell is. Hopefully you don't go there. Oh, this is good. The New Testament is so just applicable. Have you guys noticed this? Hey, you gotta be washed by the blood of the lamb. I mean, so that you are justified, sanctified, future glorified. I mean, this is amazing. You gotta come out. Do you drive a Volkswagen? Yeah, yeah, I do. But regardless, man, you gotta come to church. Hey, remember what I said? Hell, scary. <laughs> I love some of those lines that you can't touch, touch Africa, but it doesn't mean it's real. So many great lines. But, you know, we can sometimes think in our head that that is what evangelism is like. Maybe a personality type that is totally out there, totally confident, it's slamming the gospel in people's face. And you now I used to uh, hear stories, you know, sitting in church of, say, pastors that would sit next to someone on the plane and they would have these incredible God moments with somebody and the person next to them would end up just uh, raveling uh, out their story of everything that had gone in their life. And then the person would just share how amazing Jesus is. And right there in the plane, they would have the salvation prayer together. And I would hear those kind of stories and so desperately want those moments. And, you know, so I would go into a plane just going, okay, God, let me sit next to someone that I can have kind of one of those awesome stories. And I would sit next to someone and try conversation, but kind of conversation wouldn't really go there. It would kind of be this awkward moment. And then I would just leave so discouraged and feeling like, oh, this isn't me and feel so set back. But I want to encourage us today that evangelism is not a gifting issue. And evangelism isn't just for some. Evangelism isn't just what we saw on the video there today, this uh, orchestrated thing where we've got to say a set thing and got to say information right. Evangelism is actually something that comes back to every part of who we are, every part of our day. It, it's the priority of how we need to live our lives. It actually says this in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's for every single one of us, this ministry of reconciliation. I've seen people discover who God is. And it goes on and says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
This whole thing of evangelism, it's for every single one of us. It needs to be our priority. It needs to be what we look for in every part of how we live our lives. Our purpose is to meet people and cause people to encounter the love of our incredible God. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. It says this, then Jesus, again with his disciples, he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The last commandment of Jesus to his disciples was that command. It's the same to us as that today. Go out into all the world to reach people with the love of who our God is, the truth of who our God is. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12, so Christ gave himself, sorry, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built out. And sometimes people often use that scripture to say, well, hey, evangelists, it's just a gifting thing. Evangelists are actually called to equip all of us to reach people, to equip the church, the body of Christ. Then it goes on in Romans 10, verse 11 to 15. It says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all who richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The Bible is full of Scripture that commands us, that encourages us to reach people with the good news of what God has done in our life. And it doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be like we saw on the screen, the set way of doing it. And everything we do, we are called to reach people. It should be our priority. The purpose of going to work is to reach people. The purpose of going to school, university, it all comes back to reaching people. Our family dinners where we're with our extended family, it's to reach people with the love of God. It should be how we see everything, how we hear everything, the thing that frames everything every part of how we live our lives. Our main purpose here on this earth is to reach people with the love of who our incredible God is. And I wrote this thing down and I feel this is from the heart of God and it's to encourage me just as much as anybody else. And it's to be, to be honest, I wrote, evangelism is not a gifting issue. It's a heart issue. Do I actually care enough to want to reach people? It's this heart issue. Do I actually care enough to really want to reach people? Do I actually care enough to want to make time for people that they would know the same truth and same love, the same freedom that I have? The truth is every single one of us, when we die, we're going to stand before God, our maker, And we're going to be accountable for how we lived our lives. There is an eternity before us. And I know we know it, but do we live our life based off that revelation and that truth? Because to be honest, what I find so often we can know it, but almost have have it like it's this truth that's off to the side that we'll get around to one day when we have time. 
One, one day when things aren't as crazy, then I'll kind of get round to that, telling others about God. One day when I feel like I'm a better Christian, more mature, like when I'm really in sync with God, then I'll get round to telling others about who my God is. And we kind of set it off to the side as this thing we'll get round to one day rather than having this urgency, this urgency from the heart of God to reach people and to love people. And I pray you're hearing it today. This is, there is no condemnation in this. There is no harshness in this because I'm talking to myself just as much to anybody else. But I know we need a heart revelation and we need our eyes to be open. Come on to the urgency of this, the urgency of reaching people. See, what I, what I often find is it's like we can live in the world that we live in in a bubble effect. And if I can have my prop brought out, Juanita, that'd be awesome. I did this illustration a few months ago, but it's just stuck with me. It's almost like what God has put on my heart for this year because it can be so easy as Christians almost to live our life in this bubble, to live our life in this Christian bubble. And the bubble effect means this, living in a bubble means you are content in your own world, impervious or unaffected by what is on the outside of it. So it's kind of like we can so easily live our life like this, in this bubble here. And we can live so consumed with what is going on in our world. We can live so consumed by our agenda, by what's happening, by our busyness, by our, what, uh, what sorry, just me make sure I got down those steps, okay. By, by what we have to do in our agenda today, that we end up living in this little bubble where we miss people all around us. And I did this message, I had so much great feedback from it, and it's like God's just been highlighting this fact, this fact in this year so much, how much we can live in this bubble. This bubble of, no, we wake up and it's like, well, what's my agenda today, God? What have I got to do today? I've got to go to the gym, I've got to go to the groceries, I've got to do all these work deadlines, and all through it, we just miss people because we're just all about our agenda and what we need to do today. And we're just from one thing to the next thing, from one work deadline to the next thing. We're all about building our career, our focus, our agenda, our achievements, our purpose, and we miss people all around us. We miss the priority that God has placed right in front of us, the priority of His people. I think the other thing that happens is we live in this bubble because we feel so inadequate. We feel like we could never reach people because of our own fears and our own insecurities. So we try and reach people, but it's like we've got this bubble of fear and insecurity that separates us from others. So like we're trying to reach them, but it's just like there's this massive thing in the way, this massive bubble of our own insecurity and our own pride sometimes as well. Our own stuff so often stops us from living how God has called us to live. Maybe it's our comfort that causes us to stay in this bubble, the comfort of just what we want to do, the comfort of what I want to do with my life. Come on, I'm kind of an introvert. I don't really feel like hanging out with people. So I'm just going to be in my bubble off to the side here, watching Netflix on repeat, just in my own comfy lounge, doing my own thing in my own comfy world. The thing is, God hasn't called us to live in this bubble. He hasn't called us to live in this world where we're just unaffected by what others are going through around us. 
He hasn't called us just to live comfy, to live contained, to live consumed by self, consumed by what we want to do. No, He's called us to burst out of the bubble. So if I can have the Word of God, and I'm actually going to slash this bubble this morning because this is what we need to do with the Word of God. I'm really hoping that this is going to work this morning because I need the pocket knife. Thanks, Anita. So this is what we do with the Word of God. See, we've got to get the Word of God to shift our priorities. Because the Word of God says this in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 15, you are the light of the world. There we go. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand for all to see. So the more of the Word of God we get, the more it deflates the bubble. It gives light to everyone in the house. One Peter. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10 says, But you are the the ones chosen by God, chosen for this high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work, speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And every time we get out that Word of God, it's like we are putting a knife in the bubble. Come on, we're to change our priority. We're going to change how we see people. We're going to change how we see our day. We're going to change how we see our workplace. We're going to change how the way we see our university. We're going to change how the way we see our neighbours. We're going to change. Come on, I've got to be careful with this knife. I don't want to stab myself. But we're going to change how we see with the Word of God. We've got to allow this to shift our priorities. Allow this to shift our agenda. Allow this to shift Thanks, Juanita. How we see things. So that we can get, we can deflate the bubble. If you could just, I was going to step over it, but I think it's just better to deal with it like that. So we can get out of the bubble. We need this Word of God to change us from the inside out, to transform us, to renew our mind. Not to be conformed by the pattern of this world, but renew our mind to allow His agenda to become our agenda. So what I want to do really quickly this morning is just talk about bursting the bubble to reach people. Bursting the bubble to reach people is the first thing. We've got to come out of hiding. We've got to come out of hiding. 1 Samuel 10 verse 21 to 23. It's this incredible story about King Saul being anointed and appointed to lead God's people. To stand in the calling that God had for him. And they go to find him, they go to appoint him, and he's hiding behind the baggage. And Samuel says, where is he? God said, he's right over there, hidden in that pile of baggage. They ran and got him, and then Saul took his place before everyone, standing tall, head and shoulders above them all. And I have this stirring from God, we're going to take our place in the world that we live in. We're going to stand with confidence. Come on, in the school that you're at, in the uni that you're at, the workplace, we're going to stand with confidence in what our God has called us to. Stand with confidence in the truth that we have. Come on, when you start out as kids, you're so confident in wanting to tell your story. And my daughter, Hope, she comes home with this roster for for show and tell at school because if they don't have a roster, every kid wants to be part of it that morning. So they have rostered their times where they get to do show and tell. Come on, as we grow up, we lose that confidence. We lose that authority that we get to stand up. This is what I've got to show the world. This is what I've got to tell everybody. You have a story to tell that the world desperately needs. 
You have a story, a testimony. You may think, well, my story is nothing. There are hundreds of people that need to hear your story. You have an incredible testimony of what God has done in your world. And evangelism, it's just sharing your story. Your story about what God has done in and through you and allowing Him to move through that story. We've got to stand in confidence. You have a story to tell. I feel like, you know, we're living in this world today where Christianity has tried to be silenced. It's tried to make us feel like we cannot share our faith. Well, we cannot share the stand that we make in our lives. Now, I was out with a group of my school friends, uh, the school mums at, at school where Zion and Hope go. I just love them dearly. They're, none of them know Jesus, but I just it's my favourite part of the week when I get to connect with them and what God is doing. It's just incredible. But we were sitting around having dinner just last week, and the conversation turned around to how these 13-year-olds and um, one of the older siblings is going to these parties where 13-year-olds are hiring out massive venues and hiring DJs and security guards and having these massive banging parties. And, and so I said in the middle of that conversation, well, are these 13-year-olds, you know, are they getting alcohol into these parties? And the, one of the mums looked at me and she was like, oh, yeah, Nards, they're getting alcohol in. And, uh, and she's like, another one of the mums kind of said, you know, once Zion starts high school, it's going to be a whole new world for you. And, you know, you won't be able to stop him going to those parties. And, and everyone kind of laughed because they knew I'm the Christian. And, you know, I kind of like smiled with them. And after the laughter died down, I was like, I will be that mum that says no to my son going to those parties. When my daughter goes to those parties, she'll be probably 50. It'll be an even higher age that she's allowed to go to those parties. But I will be that mum that says no. They are under my roof, under our house. And I, when they're that age, they're too young to make those decisions for themselves. And then another mum, and it was kind of like the conversation changed track pretty quickly after that point. And one of the other mums pipes up and she was like, yeah, you know what? My parents wouldn't allow me to go to any parties all through high school and it did me no harm. And then we had this incredible conversation about the boundaries that we should put around our kids. But I thought in that moment how easily it would be just to laugh something like that off and be like, you know, for the sake of popular opinion, it's all right, that's fine. And then everyone else around the table is left going, you know what, it's okay for 13-year-olds to go to those kind of parties. We've got to make a stand. You know, we've got to be okay going, you know what, this is how I'm actually living my life. You know, since when did it become the cool thing to make destructive decisions for our kids and for others? Since when did that become the cool thing? Come on, we're going to stand up in our Christianity and embrace our Christianity as cool. Come on, the way, the Word of God, come on, it's life. It sets me up for a win. I'm not going to back down from it. I'm not going to be ashamed about it. But I'm going to stand in the truth of what God has called me to in confidence and in authority, knowing it's actually the best way and that others need it. Come on, we cannot be silenced. We cannot be, uh, be told that our opinion doesn't matter but speak up in boldness. I love what Billy Graham says. Our society, our society thrives to avoid any possibility of offending anyone except God. Now, I'm just in this place where I want to live my life pleasing God. His opinion matters most. Who cares if other people are offended, but my God is pleased. I want to live my life pleasing Him above all else. 
I love what Matthew 3 verse 17 says. God speaking to Jesus, he says, this is my son who I'm loved and I am well pleased with him. You know, every one of us, we have God's love. But there are things we do that earn God's pleasure, that make him pleased. And I've found in my life that there is nothing that brings God's pleasure more than when I reach out and love those that do not know him. Every time I'm in conversation with someone like that, I feel God's pleasure. I feel his delight. It pleases him. Let's live for his pleasure, not live so confined by wanting to not offend others. And again, it doesn't mean that we live our lives where we want to offend people for the sake of offending. We want to be known for what we stand for, not what we stand against. But it doesn't mean that we live silenced. It doesn't mean that we live without confidence. We stand in what God has called us to. The second thing is bring a conversation, not a presentation. The thing in bursting the bubble is bring a conversation, not a presentation. I think the biggest stigma that I had to get over when it came to this whole thing of Christian, um, the whole thing of evangelizing was thinking that it was this massive presentation that you had to bring to somebody. Like you were waiting for that moment in conversation where you could just get in there and you could slam the gospel of Jesus Christ in their face and that was the truth and that was it. And it would freak me out because it'd be like, I can't do that. But as I've walked with God more and more, I've discovered it's actually a conversation with people. It's actually getting down to people's level, what's going on in their world. It's listening. It's actually asking the question, how are you doing? Come on, what is going on in your world? And as you do that, it's amazing how people are desperate for that conversation. Come on again, friends from school. It's like people are desperate for that conversation. We live in a society today where people pay for counselors and and psychologists to listen to them because listening is this lost art. I just want someone to talk to. People are desperate for intimacy, desperate for connection, and we can give that to people so easily. I love what Mother Teresa says. This is one of my favorite quotes. The greatest disease of the Western world today is not TB or leprosy. It's been unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. There are people all around us like that. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It's not a poverty of loneliness, but also spirituality. There's a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. Evangelism is not sharing the theology of Christianity. It's sharing the love of who our God is. Come on, the character of who our God is. It's telling others about how amazing it is, what He's done in our world, the incredible evidence of who He is in our life. It's sharing His goodness. You know, we've got to take the pressure off when it comes to telling people and talking to people and sharing God's love with people. It's like we try and bring this moment where there can be a salvation prayer right in that moment. We've got to lift the pressure off. Do the long haul with people. Build relationship with people. Allow time to get into people's world and and reveal over time how good God is. And again, we've got to go with the prompt of the Holy Spirit because again, amazing conversations can happen in a moment, but it can also happen over time. We've got to be committed to people over the long haul. Just take the pressure off. Have fun with people. You know, we so often get heavy when it comes to sharing our faith, but have fun with it. You know, the other day I was on a, on a plane next to this beautiful, she was about a 60-year-old woman. 
And I had Ezekiel with me and she just was loving easy. And we got to chatting away and I said, how was married with three children? And she just pipes up in conversation. And she was like, you know what? I've just, you know, met this pilot and we met on Tinder. And uh, we just, we are so in love. And I, you know, I was married to my husband for like 20 years and we had five children. It was fantastic. But, you know, and I know you're really happily married now, but you never know what will happen. And Tinder, it's amazing. And now she starts to advocate Tinder to me. And then the conversation, I kind of just laughed along with it. And then the conversation turns to, well, and what, what do you do with your life? What, what, what do you, what's your profession? So I couldn't help myself. I'm like, you know, I'm a pastor at a church. <laughs> and her reaction was, oh, <laughs> that was exactly. Oh, she said. But we just ended up having this great chat about God. We had fun with it. We don't need to be heavy about it. Have fun with people. Be real with people. If you don't know the answer to a question, say that. I don't know. But come to church with me on Sunday. There's a whole heap of people that can answer those questions. It's it's so easy, but we get so complicated by it. The third point, my last point, if I could have keys, join me, please. Is that we've got to receive new sight. Bursting in the bubble is we've got to receive new sight. We've got to allow God to change how we see people. To give us new sight. Mark 8, verse 22 to 25 says, They came to Bethsaida. This is Jesus and his disciples. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. You know, I kind of feel like it's so easy for us to see people wrongly. Most like that man did as trees walking around, rather than seeing them as sons and daughters of God, as His treasured and beloved people. And we're going to have a moment of ministry in just a short, short time. And I'm just going to believe that God's just to come and He's just going to come and literally touch our eyesight this morning. That He's going to cause us to see people clearly that He's gonna cause us to see them as He sees them. And I love that in that story, Jesus spat on that man's eye. You know, if you think about spitting, it's this incredibly intimate moment. It's pretty intimate. Whenever you're exchanging saliva with someone, it's a pretty intimate moment. And I love that whenever we are close to Jesus, He changes how we see people. Every time, the more I hang out with Jesus, the more He changes how I see. The more He opens my eyes to people all around me. The more He causes me to see the one, to take time for the one, to linger to talk to somebody that I see not talking to anybody else, to make time over lunch for somebody, to pray for somebody, to be intentional about inviting somebody to church, 
to go out of my way, out of my agenda to reach somebody. And I just want to end with this story. It's our family story. And a lot of you have heard it, but a lot of us are new, so you may not have heard it before. But my family story is that when my dad was born, he was born as a product of rape. My grandma was raped at a party one night and it was in the 1950s where that kind of thing didn't happen at all. So my dad and my grandma grew up in a society where they were just ostracised by everybody. Nobody knew it was a rape. They just assumed that grandma had slept around and everyone closed their doors on her. To give it perspective, my dad was the only kid in his entire school that didn't have a dad and everybody else warned their children not to play with him. So every lunchtime, every playtime, he would be on his own, just hitting a ball, tennis racket against the wall, doing his thing, just totally isolated. Sometimes grandma would have to work and he was sent to other people's home and in their home, the mum of the family would give all the kids milk and cookies, but leave him out because he was the reject. And then one day, someone noticed him and someone noticed my grandma. A little eight-year-old boy befriended dad and took him home. And the mum saw him, really saw him. And she gave him milk and cookies. Dad says he still remembers those cookies to this day. And the mum, she took time for him. She allowed her little boy to play with him. And then after they'd played together, Dad says he still remembers him, her taking him by the hand and saying, Mark, I want to meet your mum. And they went along to their home and this lady met my grandma. She saw my grandma. She got out of her bubble and she saw my grandma. She invited them round to their home. And Dad says he still remembers going round to their home and playing with these three little boys and just feeling so secure and so loved. And he listened while this lady, Lillian Gore, told my grandma all about Jesus, all about that there was a God that loved her. There was a God that saw her. There was a God that had a hope, that had a plan, that had a purpose for her. And as they walked home that night after Grandma had done the salvation prayer at that table, Dad says he still remembers Grandma looking at him and saying, Mark, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And he had never seen her that happy in his entire life. I'm so grateful for that lady Lillian Gore that took time to get out of her bubble and really see the one, to see the individual. I pray this morning that our eyes would be opened and that we would truly see as our God sees people. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.